after the pandemic, will live streaming change our churches and community organizations? It's episode 394 of the Dan York Report, and I've been thinking a lot about this in these past weeks as everything's been happening online in so many different ways. Before the pandemic, of course, you had many different community organizations that met, you know, in in wherever they might be. And you had, of course, churches, synagogues, mosques, other religious institutions that met themselves as well in a physical place. The whole point of the organization in many ways was to gather people together, bring them into community in some kind of form. And, and whether it was for religious reasons or service reasons or whatever, it was there. Now, of course, now with the pandemic, we've all shifted to doing everything online, whether it's Zoom or you know, Google Meet or, or other live streaming, whatever it may be. And the question that, that's I've started to think about is, what happens after this, when we all go back, will live streaming change some of what we do? And, and if so, how? I'll give you two snapshots from my own experience, my own life. Here in Shelburne, Vermont, where I live, I am part of the local Rotary, the Rotary International, the local chapter here. It is a, a service organization. It does uh, great work within the organiz- within the local community for you know uh, raising funds for lots of different local activities and scholarships and, and doing service activities and helping with races and community events and lots of different things. Anyway, your there are Rotary International chapters all around the world, but it's just one of many of these community organizations that have adapted or changed to not being able to meet and to meeting online. Now, before the pandemic, our this particular group, our group, would meet Wednesday mornings for a breakfast at a local church that had a kitchen. We'd meet for breakfast at around 7, somewhere after 7 or so, and then have a sort of a business meeting around 7.30, speaker at 8, be done by 8.30, that kind of thing. Obviously, with the pandemic, we can't meet physically, face-to-face. And so uh, we've moved to doing uh, Zoom sessions at the same time and using the same kind of general format. What's been interesting is to see how live streaming has enabled people to participate in other different ways. Now, I don't see it as a substitute. I look forward to a day when we can actually get back together and and meet in the same place, eat some food together, do those different kinds of things. But it is interesting to see some of the benefits that have been there in different ways. For instance, we've had members who who have joined in from afar. There were a few people who, uh, when all of the shelter-in-place, stay-at-home restrictions have come down, they were not here. They were at other homes in Florida, or they were visiting relatives far away. They were somewhere else when they when they were sheltered, and they uh, they, you know, they would not be able to attend a physical in face to face meeting. But because of Zoom, they could be able to go and join in from wherever they are. You know, I, I think also of my own time when I've been traveling at different points, I could not join in because I was not in Vermont. Now I have, I with this, if I were traveling, which I'm not, but if I were, I would have that ability to join in there. There were also um, some people, you know, now certainly could not join into the meetings because they were caring for children. Or even before there were challenges sometimes of joining in when your time was limited. If I had an eight o'clock meeting 
for instance, and I needed to be there, uh, even though I'm only like five minutes away from where it, the group normally meets, you know, I couldn't stay there that whole time. I would have to leave a little bit early to get back to my office in my house and get all set up for my eight o'clock meeting. Well, now, and I've done this a couple of times, you know, I've been able to participate in the meeting up until the point when I had to leave. And then I could just drop out and, and go and do that. Similarly for our speakers who have come and been speaking in, in the sessions, you know, they don't need to travel. They can fit it into their schedule. They, they also don't have to be waiting through the, the business meeting part of things. I mean, normally the speakers would arrive at, at 7.30, they'd have some breakfast and they'd, they'd sit, you know, they'd, they'd wait through the part where we were having the business of the club and the business of the organization, and then they would speak. Now, of course, many of the speakers like that socializing and getting to meet people and hear what's going on and learning about all that. But other times, you know, they may have, and, and in fairness, some speakers did come a little bit later when it was their time, if their schedules were busy. But this ability to just know it's going to be going here, I can connect online, I can do that. The other interesting part that we've had is that we've had visitors from other uh, Rotary clubs, you know, from local clubs, but we also have had a couple from far away. Now, Rotary has gone ahead and, and promoted to people within the district in the region and, and actually globally when other people's meetings are. It is quite possible that <laughs> you could become a, a Rotary junkie and you could just go and attend many different meetings at different times if you had all that time to go and do it because you can find out what those are and go and do it. But what's interesting to look at is is how how this has enabled people to participate We've also had some people who are older and not able to travel much, uh, disabled in some ways, and, and they are able to join in and participate along with everybody else who could have gotten to that room. And that's an interesting aspect. It's that accessibility of the meeting that is interesting to think about. Uh, similarly, of course, it, it's also been this way with, with churches. Uh, churches have, uh, you know, they have uh, not been able to meet here in, in Vermont and many other parts of the U.S. and the world. They're not able to gather in, in larger groups in different spaces. And so many of those organizations have taken their worship services and they've gone to some kind of model. And it's, it's really interesting to see what different models people have used. Some that I've seen have, you know, have used some kind of, let's call it a more... Um, professional live streaming setup where you have multiple cameras, people at different locations, you have uh, something, some kind of switcher like uh, OBS or Wirecast or one of these that's being used to control the cameras, to put on lower thirds. I mean, they've gone, you know, full out in terms of how to go and, and produce this and make it available and do all of that. Others, um, another model I've seen has been that people do that kind of live streaming, but they do it through uh, through Zoom or through Facebook Live or through some other mechanism where they're doing it in a in a much you know more in a much less produced manner, and they're doing it in some kind of way. Another model that I've seen that uh, I've seen some churches doing has been to do a pre-recorded main part. So they've recorded pieces that have, for instance, the the sermon or the homily and and some prayers and blessings and and pieces like that. And then they've also um, they've also recorded perhaps some music pieces like that, and then they stream it out at a certain time. I'll be honest and say, uh, our one of a church in my area, 
uh, did use a feature I didn't even know existed in YouTube, which was the premiere feature where you can say that it's going to premiere at a certain time and then you get additional notifications and it, it streams out for the very first time, you know, and so you get that feeling of, of being special, being part of that. You're creating that event component. One of the challenges I've seen with the pre-recorded version is that there's not an incentive to necessarily participate in real time because if it's going up there at you know 10 a.m. or 4 p.m. or whenever the, the thing the, the thing goes, you it's the good or bad news. You don't have to be there when it's happening, but that also means you have to remember to go and listen. It's not an event. It's a, it's a recording that's up there that you can go and listen to at any time. And I found myself with one church that I, I honestly haven't listened all the time because it's 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 just a recording. I know I can go and do that, but then I don't. Uh, an interesting change that or, or a way to address that that I've seen some people do is they've had the pre-recorded version, but then when it's done, they throw it open to a, a virtual coffee break. And they've switched to using Zoom, say, or, or some tool like that to be able to go and have this kind of session. So they might have a pre-recorded video on YouTube, but then it is, um, and then but then that's set to go at say 10 a.m. And then at 10:45 or something, they switch to a, a Zoom session where everybody can join in and be able to be part of that. I've also seen some churches uh, have gone to doing something where they have a regional kind of service where they might have one service that is streamed out to multiple churches. So there might be one minister, pastor, whatever, who is who is doing that, but then it's it's going out to all the, the congregants of the various different churches. You know, it's uh, it's interesting for from an accessibility point of view, it's quite powerful on one of the services that I listened to and that had a um, another component to it where people were talking about things. Uh, you know, there was, there was somebody who said, you know, I, I'm, I'm disabled. I cannot leave my house. I have no way to do that. And so, but yet she was able to participate in the service because it was just coming, it was coming over the internet. She could go and look at that. You know, um, one of the one of the local churches here in, in Shelburne, the All Souls Interfaith Gathering, they have a beautiful location, uh, but it's it's not on public transit. And so to get there, you, uh, you, you have to travel in some way. But this provides a way to, uh, to do it. It's also interesting with the pre-recorded or, or any of these, you also do have that ability to fit it into your schedule. You can listen when you have the opportunity to do so. You can, uh, you know, have other family activities go on, but then be able to, to, to hear this, listen to it, do all of that. You might have child care or, or elder care or something that you need to take care of. You also potentially can join in when you're traveling. Not that any of us are right now, but in the future, you could see that ability. Now, you also could participate from afar. You know, if you know about this church or building or entity, you can go and join in you also can sample it without the commitment of entering the doors. But of course you don't get the full experience when you do that. You're just tasting it a little bit in different ways. I think there's some interesting challenges, right? Is how do you welcome newcomers? And this is true of both 
you know, community organizations and churches, how do you welcome people? How do they learn the norms and conventions of your particular group? You know, what, 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 what does it look like? How do they go and, and, and do anything there? How do they participate? There's also, I think, for some churches and, and community organizations, how do you help with finances? You know, um, with uh, a church, you often have an offering. With community organizations, members often, you know, leave some money at the door as they come in or do something like that. How do you, you know, how do you help with that money that helps go to services and, and things that are there? You also have, in particular with, with churches, you have the, the challenge around music because typically you can do a broadcast of music, but you don't have the ability to do a shared experience. You know, uh, things like, zoom or or others you know you have lags depending upon people's internet connections you have uh, you know you don't have the ability that people can all sing together how do you work with those kind of things so there's any number of challenges i think any number of churches or community organizations are can't wait to get back to being able to meet physically face to face and, and work together but i think one of the things to ask is what will they change? What can we take away from this experience that we've had here of moving to all virtual to think about how do we, how do we do some of those things around accessibility? What would it take to enable people to participate in some way? Now, in my day job, I work for a global organization and we work remotely. We've been using Zoom. We use other tools like that. And, and I know for a fact that it's very challenging to have a meeting where you have some people in an office, in a room, and you have other people remote. There's always a bias toward the people in the room just because you're able to see each other, talk to each other, interact more. And so sometimes when we have some of those meetings, we actually cause everybody to be virtual. Even if they're all in the same office, they might go to different rooms or do different things sometimes just so that everybody's on an equal playing field. So if you bring people back together into a room in some way, you know, just by nature, there will be a bias toward those present physically. But how can we make some of these sessions or these things, you know, more accessible? What will we learn from all of this live streaming that we're doing? Will we find ways to continue perhaps to stream our services even when we're back in the physical location will we find a way to stream our meetings so that people can be able to continue to participate even when they're not there how can we what will we do with that it's now in some places in in my work environment and other places we're used to this you know we do we you know we do streaming of our meetings we do we have ways for people to remotely participate, but now community groups, community organizations, churches, synagogues, mosques, you know, other groups are now starting to look at this. They're experiencing the live stream and there are positive sides to it. This accessibility issue in particular is a powerful one. How do we help retain that when we go back, you know, after the pandemic into some kind of form. First, of course, we have to get through the pandemic and be able to get to a point where we all feel safe going back and gathering. 
but let's hope that we get there at some point. And then the question will be, what lessons can we take from this? What can we learn? Will live streaming, will this experience change uh, churches? Will it change community organizations? And if so, how? What will we take away from this? What will we do differently? I'd love to hear your comments. You can leave them here at soundcloud.com slash York where this gets posted, or you can put them anywhere on social media where I post this. Usually I do it to Twitter and Mastodon and sometimes LinkedIn and Facebook, other places. And I would love to hear comments there. You can find more of my audio and writing at danyork.me. Thanks for listening and bye for now.